0: Welcome into the Fantasy Football Mailbag A Rodovez podcast. This is the November 20th episode and as always, we remain dedicated to answering all of your fantasy football questions. I'm your host Mike Randall. You can follow me on Twitter at RandallRant. Today we welcome in the brilliant Kevin Cole from PFF. Kevin is a PFF data scientist and host of a great podcast, new podcast, Unexpected Points. Fantastic pod. Please check it out. He's well-known across the fantasy community for insight into interpreting data and separating the noise from the actionable numbers. He was previously at Roto-Grinders, Director of Data and Analytics, one of the best in the business. Please follow him on Twitter at Kevin Cole, PFF. Kevin, a true honor to have you on the mailbag here. Thanks so much for coming aboard.
1: Well, thanks for having me, and uh, hopefully you didn't – Didn't oversell too much in that in that intro. I'll try to live up to it.
0: I've followed your stuff for years. Just a fantastic job. And the Unexpected Points podcast just started is really great. I heard you recently with Ben Baldwin of The Athletic. You guys were talking about good stats versus bad stats, you know, the noise versus the actionable data. It was really great stuff. What are some of those bad stats that you think maybe the average fantasy football player sort of relies on too much that can be misleading when you're analyzing players?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's going to come down to efficiency volume. I think, I think most people are pretty adept at being able to parse that out nowadays. I mean, that's something that's really changed, I would say, over the last few years and even further back if you're going five, six, seven years is, is being able to figure out what is stable and what is not. So, for instance, for, you know, looking at how many carries is someone getting, where's the, location of those carries as opposed to just focusing on the results focusing on the touchdowns focusing on the more uh like the more the more variance that's in certain things so i I would say a few things that i see that never end to uh kind of tilt me a little bit although i don't see it as much as i used to things like fantasy points per touch uh anything per touch uh per touch anything and as i'm sure most people who are listening to this to this um to this podcast probably no. you can't really conflate receiving production um it's it's not even like because you're not even looking at targets right you're just looking at when they actually receive when you actually get a reception so you can't really uh, conflate receiving production receiving opportunities and rushing opportunities and it's possible depending upon the split between players i mean i've seen things where they'll say you know in the past someone like let's say duke johnson how many um how many uh, yards per touch that he's getting, let's say. So he could have, I think I remember all the old comparisons to Todd Gurley, where you could say Todd Gurley actually had a higher yards per carry. He had a higher yards per reception, but a lower yards per touch just because of how the the workload is split together. So that's probably something that really always gets to me whenever I see that still being used out there. Although it's not as much in the fantasy football community because as you know, I think we're a little bit smarter about numbers than even some of the quote-unquote real football guys.
0: Oh, totally agree. And you hit a push button topic there, a hot button topic in Duke Johnson. I mean, I mean <laughs> you picked the perfect guy. We love him here at RotoViz. I mean, free Duke Johnson. And of course, last week, Kevin, right? They have terrible weather. So hopefully we're going to have the explosion. I feel like the fantasy community, particularly here at RotoViz, we've waited for Duke Johnson to have that big performance. I feel like we're due, no?
1: Yeah, I, I would hope so. Like the thing that I-, I-, I try, I try to remember who did this, but someone sent out, um, uh, an interesting tweet where they were saying, you know, the same people who believe running backs don't matter also now think that Duke Johnson's going to blow up now that he <laughs> has the starting role. When David Johnson really had this pristine perfect setup as far as volume was concerned and share was concerned all of these weeks going into it and now we're expecting the same thing to happen for uh, it, it suddenly to to you know flip the switch for Duke Johnson now, I do think the opponents are a little bit easier here but there may be something about Houston whether it's whether it's the blocking whether it's Deshaun Watson and how much he relies upon uh, the running backs and the offense just generally hasn't been as robust there as it can be going forward but you know we have someone like Deshaun Watson grading a Lot better than what his numbers have been so I think there's hope to to see it turning around I guess I'm just not you know I'm not quite as convinced that he's going he, he really is going to be that guy despite the fact that I love the talent
0: of course, yeah. And, you know, as we approach Thanksgiving, the MVP race is always a hot topic. Kyler Murray to DeAndre Hopkins, the, the play of the game of the season, just a great pass there from Murray to Hopkins. I put out a tweet today, and I drew the, the vitriol of Packers fans because I used our Rotoviz Player Stat Explorer, and I put up the consistency, the bar graph, of the way uh, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson – Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes have performed. And, of course, I can't put more than four in there, so I I did leave out Aaron Rodgers caused some problems. But where do you place Kyler now in the MVP race right now after that big performance? I think the gap is closing on Russ a bit, and you've done some great work at PFF on the MVP race. Is it possible that we've all taken Patrick Mahomes for granted?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we were the most recent odds that just came out. I mean, I know that just came out after Russell Wilson had this, had the struggling performances. Now Patrick Mahomes is the favorite, um, in betting markets, which if you would have thought back, uh, after week eight, after week eight, um, Uh, Russell Wilson was better than 50% implied probability on there. So it's really flipped quite a bit now where Russ is still in second behind Mahomes and then Rodgers. And after that, I believe it's Josh Allen next and then, and then Kyler Murray. Now Kyler has gone from pretty much out of, totally out of it, maybe like 28 to one, something like that, uh, before this, before last week to jumping all the way up into the top five. I think that the thing with Kyler is, Number one, people are probably a little bit less convinced that his team's going to be able to close out and win that division. So if he doesn't win the division, and let's say the Seahawks do, it's going to be really tough for him to win. The second thing is, he actually hasn't been that impressive throwing the ball. He's been extremely impressive running the ball. He's actually has probably the most impressive, one of the most impressive and efficient seasons we've seen on an EPA per rush basis since cam newton back in 2011 i mean he is much 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 more efficient than even uh lamar jackson was last year but the thing was lamar jackson was really really efficient passing the ball in in low volume and kyler just hasn't been that this year so the question will be can he keep that up because that rushing production that he's doing now and and the way that he's he's producing with his legs it really is a is an outlier type of season something you only see once every five six seven years so to say that will continue on for the rest of the season is going to be a little bit more difficult for him
0: yeah, and he got those ten right. He's at the ten rushing touchdowns now. Uh, he's on pace for eighteen all-time record. Of course, Cam Newton back in that twenty eleven season with fourteen, but that really is the key. And it was an amazing play, amazing throw, amazing catch. And it's a really fun MVP race right now as, as we head into Thanksgiving. I heard you on Ed Fang's football analytics show. You've gone there a couple times. Always great, great stuff. I just get the popcorn out and listen. Talking about expected points added just one of the many great metrics you look at over a PFF. Can you explain what that means and why it really is a great way to sort of analyze players and teams?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the, the main benefit of it is that it has a way of taking everything that happens on a football field, on a football field, uh, putting it together, uh, giving you a single metric that you can, you can look at every play and value it. And, It's done in points, so it's something that's fairly intuitive to think about uh, on a football basis. Now, to give a simple explanation of of how it's calculated, you could say, uh, let's say a team has the ball on their own 25-yard line, first down and 10. You can calculate based upon that, you know, on average throughout the league— How many points, how often they will score on that drive. And from there, you can kind of just determine the average number of points you'll score on that drive. So then on the first play, let's say they gain five yards with a, with a run up the middle. Well, now you have second and five from the 30 yard line. You can now recalculate from that, from, from that state, from that, from that gain state, how many points there is. And the differential between those two is how many points were added on that play. So what it allows you to do is it says, Oh, you threw a 20 yard pass down the sideline. How does that on third and 10, how does that compare to a 15 yard play on first and 10, but closer to the end, you know, all these different things come together and think, especially things like sacks, which are difficult to value, because if you just look at them in terms of negative yards, that doesn't really capture the right. fact that you're being moved back and, and it's more detrimental to that. And it, it ends up being able to put all these pieces together because certain things like scrambles, sacks, even running plays are very difficult to quantify when you're bringing that together with passing production and things like touchdowns you know is a touchdown from the one yard line or is a touchdown from the 20 yard line uh those sorts of things make a big difference on how much value is being added so i i think that's a big thing because talking about another bad stat that ends up being used in something like the mvp race is something like uh, touchdown to interception ratio right yes. So how yeah. costly are the interceptions if it's third and 15 near the end of the game and you throw an interception 30 yards downfield trying to make a play that's not that costly if it's first and 10 and you're you're about to go in the end zone you throw an interception. That's extremely costly. So I, I think it's being able to compare all those different things together.
0: Yeah, it's a great point. And I I feel like the fantasy community, you know, when fantasy football first started, everybody talked about points and it was standard leagues, right? Way back, way back in the old days. Then it became PPR. Then after PPR, people got into regression. Then people realized, oh, wait a minute, you can have positive regression. So it's always great to hear the next stats, the latest things, which you guys have at PFF so much. And here at Rotovez, we try to do as well. You know, what's the best way to analyze strength of schedule is another one, right? You know, people talk about strength of schedule. You know, how do you look at it specifically? So that's a great, great, Point and it leads in, leads me into my next question, which is how do you balance analytics, metrics, and then watching the games? You know, we take a quantitative approach to the data. I always like to equate when you, when you look at at fantasy football. I always like to equate Kevin fantasy football to poker. You need to know the math. It's a finite group of cards. You need to know the chances of whether you're getting a flush or straight or whatever. But sometimes in the end, it does come down to whether you think the person across from you has it or not. And sometimes there is that part of watching the games where you see something like you just mentioned, an interception. You look at a box score. Maybe it was done at the end of the game. Had a fascinating discussion with this with Sigmund Bloom earlier this year. How do you marry the two there at PFF with the numbers and watching the game? And then personally for yourself in fantasy football?
1: Yeah, I think it's something where we're all fans, right? So even if people, you know, on Twitter may want to dunk on the nerds and tell us to, to watch the games. And we are watching the games, of course. We love football. That's why, that's why we're doing this. So we're, we're in it. It's impossible to watch a game like a robot and not have an opinion and just see everything as, you know, dots on the, on the screen. So you're, you're going to have that. But I think the key is being able to properly weigh your opinion number one um, versus what the data is telling you and number two if you know other smart film watchers out there they're gonna have great great opinions too that you also want to bring into your process and along with things like PFF grades which of course are people uh, yeah. watching and and making adjustments for things like uh you know dropped interceptions or drops that are that are made on the offensive side things like that that won't necessarily show up in uh, an EPA type of metric so I think The key is to know how to weigh all those things together. So I'm going to have opinions. I'm going to have opinions based upon what I'm watching on film, what I think smart people are saying based upon film. But I think the the problem becomes where people who are really film specialists is they think their unique knowledge outweighs, is the most important thing because it is their unique knowledge, where in reality is it's something that should move you slightly on or off of uh, what the numbers are telling you, not be the primary source of your
0: opinion. Yeah, the PFF grades, I'm glad you talked about it. I mean, I, I'm a subscriber. I, I love looking at it. You know, things like Jair Alexander being the, the number one cornerback per PFF. I mean, it's it's part of the lingo. What goes into those grades exactly? You know, like you said, when you formulate those grades, you take a look at coverage rating, things like that. Uh, just take us a little bit behind the curtain there, how you formulate that, because it's such a, an important part. And for a, a culture where we need the data now, we want it, we want to process it right away. It's extremely helpful to be watching the game and hear that a cornerback is number two, number Three per PFF. It just gives you a, a mindset that you can look at it. I mean, there must be so much back end work that goes into that.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a, a you know grading rubric for ever for all the different types of plays for the position groups that people are looking at. Uh, the foundation is every player on every play is given a a grade on that particular play, which ranges from a negative two to a positive two. Now, most grades on most plays. Are zeros are 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 players kind of doing the doing their job essentially to to quote build Belichick but not in in an extraordinary way and then you can move off of it depending upon whether or not it's a good play or not or 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 whether or not they're making a poor play now for coverage and for receiving grades something to keep in mind I think this is an important distinction is that. They are really being graded as zero unless they are targeted if they're a receiver or unless they're they're covering the targeted player so someone like Jalen Ramsey and what he did against d k Metcalf last week, where he was preventing targets from getting there in the first place, that's not something that really is is weighted. In a, in great detail in, in our grade. So I think that's where there can be somewhat of a disconnect when it comes to coverage and when it comes to, to receiving grades. But the other players like an offensive lineman, a defensive lineman, that you're really getting a pass rush grade, a run blocking grade, all those different things. You're really getting a play by play basis for what's going on. And of course, what's going on for, for the quarterback too, where we're gonna, we're gonna rate, like I said, their turnover worthy plays, even if they don't actually lead to a turnover. And that's what's gonna, gonna lead up into the overall grade.
0: Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account anytime, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a shortlist of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. I'm Dave Cabin, host of the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast. I wanted to take a moment to thank you for supporting Rotoviz Radio. We love producing these shows and we hope that you love listening to them. As a thank you, Royal Podcast listeners can get 10% off of a one-year Rotovis subscription by using the promo code 2020RVRadio at checkout. We have some of the very best tools, articles, and analysts in the business and can't wait to lead you on the path to greatness. If you haven't done so yet, do us a favor and take a minute to rate and review this podcast. Thanks again for listening. Now let's get into the show. Kevin, do defenses matter in fantasy football? Uh, of course, Josh Hermsmeyer got this started with a huge argument here. It reminds me of the you always start your studs argument, right? There's, there's right. pros and cons. You can point out a great defensive team that shut down a star in a given week. And then you can also point out the star who destroyed the great defense and somebody says, oh, always, you know, defenses don't matter. Always start your studs. Where does that factor in in your personal opinion here with fantasy football?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, defenses don't matter is, you know, c- kind of like the running backs don't matter thing. Although I think defenses probably matter a bit more than <laughs> than running backs. Um, but I, I will say what it, what it matters is they are, you know, they're reacting to the offense. They are normally, if you look at the stats of a defense... A good portion of it, probably around half of it, is really just the collection of offenses that they played against, is the flip side of, of of that equation. And I think we see that a lot in fantasy football, not only as far as who you're going to start against a defense, but, you know, what, if you're streaming defenses, who you're going to start on that end. You know, yeah. quarterbacks, certain quarterbacks take more sacks than others. Certain quarterbacks turn the ball over more than others. And quite often that is a lot stickier to say, Jameis Winston is going to throw interceptions than to say, that a particular team is going like the Patriots last year or I guess it was the the Jaguars before that are going to get a lot of turnovers that seems to go come and go um f- from season to season much more so than than what's stuck to that quarterback so because of that you can be more reliant upon it what i would say is that it it's an adjustment you have to make but the primary thing is always going to be the offense and the offensive projection
0: You you talked about running backs don't matter. So J.J. Zacharyson put this tweet out on Sunday. Salvin Ahmed saw 84% of Miami's running back rushes. Miles Gaskin season high and running back rush share is 81.8. So what do you make of this Miami backfield? I've got a lot of questions on this fantasy stretch drive for the Dolphins. They have three home games. One of the few teams that has three home games, Cincinnati, Kansas City, New England, ending with a week 16 trip to Las Vegas, which is reasonable here. So you want to talk about running backs don't matter. It seems like Miami and Brian Flores for me is coach of the year. I mean, just an amazing job, but they just keep plugging guys in. Uh, Jordan Howard, I guess, couldn't crack the, uh, couldn't even crack the lineup
1: yeah um actually you know I'm workshopping a new thing rather than running backs don't matter. I heard this thing about a, a different subject where it was where where I'm gonna say running backs matter but they don't make a difference so like, ah, they, very they, good. They, <laughs> they do something but there's not really that b- a difference between them and I think I don't think that miles Gaskin is a worse producer than let's say a first round running back let's say it was like Clyde Edwards Hilaire was in the same, was in the same role here. Like I don't think you could say he's a worse player. Um, and that's a reason why you should be more skeptical of him going forward. But it really matters when you have draft capital. And I think this is one of the things that that comes down to it when you're thinking of drafting, when you're thinking of playing someone in a in a muddled situation, is you, he was a seventh round pick, right? Um, right? He stepped in and he did well. And now someone else has stepped in and done well, who who they're, you know, elevating from the practice squad and, and stepping right in. So I think that means we're less certain, right? That they're going to turn things back over to Gaskin than we would be if he was the first round running back in, in the same sort of situation. So I, I, for me, I think you can be speculative and say, Hey, I, I'm going to try to pick him up and see what happens. But This could go, it could, this could go anyway, this could go a split, this could go, they're continuing to ride the hot hand, or this could go, they're going back to Gaskin. I I I can't say with any, with any confidence, which direction it's going to go here. And I think part of that is because you just have to recognize who Miles Gaskin is. He's a seventh round running back who there wasn't even their plan to, to ride like this to start the
0: season. I guess everybody, Kevin, refers to Chris Carson, right, who has continued yeah. to overcome that. He gets hurt, but he comes back. Now it looks like, he, you know, I, I, everyone is not Chris Carson, right? I mean, that you can't use the outlier for the norm
1: yeah yeah and I think Pete Carroll has been pretty effusive about Chris Carson from for almost from day one, but definitely over and over again and he has a little bit more he, he's been there a little bit longer, a little bit more staying power, but yeah, you, you, obviously you don't exactly what you're saying you don't don't pick the outlier. I, people like to do this a lot too when you're arguing something as they say, well, what about this one person out of you know a thousand that ended up doing it? Well, yeah, obviously there's always going to be one, but that's not the counter to an argument where you're where you're weighing probabilities. you're not making a definitive statement.
0: Yeah, very true. Listen, favorite groups, favorite rock bands to listen to when you're working out or jogging or just meditating? What, what do you like to listen to?
1: Yeah, actually t- I don't really listen to it. I've actually been trying to do some meditating recently. Uh, <laughs> it it, it doesn't. It, it, I don't know if I get the whole thing. Hopefully, it'll click. It'll click eventually. But you know what? I listen to a lot of podcasts when I'm doing stuff, so a lot of football-related stuff. Um, my wife actually works as a, as an editor on the New York times daily podcast. So I listen to wow. to that every single day. Um, and as far as like bands, I, I guess I'm just like, I I just feel like I'm always trying to maximize my time all the time. So it's, it's mostly podcasts that I'm listening to nowadays.
0: Yeah. That's the same thing for me. Every once in a while, I, I, as I'm going on you know, the car, I need to zone out for a little bit, but usually it defaults, especially as, you know, as the week goes on, there's always a new one that pops out. Right. So you got to listen to it. Yeah. Such a great group of rookie QBs. I just want to talk about three of them here. What have you seen from each? Give me a positive and negative. Let's start with Cincinnati, Joe Burrow, operating behind a poor offensive line, but he has thrived. High volume, obvious connection building with T Higgins here. What have you seen from Burrow so far, P, Burrow so far, PFF that is impressed and then maybe, you know, something he's got to work on.
1: Yeah, I mean, he was extremely high. His grade through like 4 or 5 weeks into the season. He's had some rough matchups, but I think that's a tough division because you have to play the Ravens twice, you have to play the Steelers twice. He doesn't have much of an offensive line. Uh he's kind of piecing together the the offense with who has some weapons, but some new ones are emerging like you said with T Higgins. And I think you hinted at what the most one of the most positive things is is the fact that they are using him at such high volume. They've basically taken him as a rookie um from day one and just put the entire offense on his on his shoulders i mean he's out there having to make plays and put himself in situations where he's really going to expose himself and i think that he's done really well when you consider how difficult it is for a rookie to step in and to do that against these defenses uh, on the defensive side of things so i think that's the big thing for burrow is the fact that you, he he's just taking it all in and he's operating like uh, a third fourth year quarterback who just who you decide is going to be the entire
0: offense Next one, Justin Herbert of the Chargers. Entering week 10, he was averaging the most fantasy points per game of any rookie in NFL history. Tough matchup there with the Dolphins. Great cornerbacks, of course. Gutted his way through it here. Herbert so far has been impressive, right?
1: He's, yeah, he's been very impressive. I mean, the, the downside for Herbert is that he was making a lot of High end plays, um he also had some, some lower, some lower plays too. So if you, if you look at some of his receivers that he was throwing to, uh, like, like Mike Williams,
0: like, the jump ball like, the Mike Williams. Like, the like Mike Williams,
1: but even more so some of the guys who were stretching the field, like names you never heard of, like Guyton who was going, yep. you know, they were catching, averaging like 40, 50 yards of reception because of what he was doing. Now I think that also shows his upside is that in, in contrast to someone like Burrow, he's someone who even in a muddy pocket could really just sling the ball downfield and has amazing amazing arm talent and athleticism at the same point in time. I think a lot of people were skeptical of quote-unquote tall quarterbacks became a thing, but it's really immobile quarterbacks who are more likely to be tall. I mean, he's a very af- athletic guy. So uh, I, th- I think the question with him is whether he can keep that high-end Play up because that was something that was really giving him um, the performance going forward. But we tend to find that you know avoiding negatives is, is really something that could, that ends up being more consistent um, and more stable in production than than continuing to hit those high notes. But hopefully he can do both.
0: And last one to Tagovailoa with Miami. They have not asked him to do a lot, but he's gaining more confidence each week. And that win in Arizona, of course, very impressive. No matter what, had a couple of nice throws and a big run there. He got a first down. Three and zero as a starter. Just curious, because two is a guy. You know, if if, if somebody's lost Jimmy G, Matt Stafford now has a, a fracture in his throwing hand. If you're looking for a waiver wire quarterback, I, I'm curious if we think if two is going to keep going here. If it's still, you know, let's let's be careful. It's still a rookie.
1: Yeah, I think he will. Now you kind of mentioned that they haven't asked him to do a whole lot and we don't know at this point how much of that is a function of what they think he can do or what they want him to be able to do and how much of that is they've had these, you know, defensive special teams plays that have really Kept them in a position to to run a little bit less variance on offense. I mean, I was really high on Tua coming into the season. I I scooped him up on all of some you know two QB league best ball uh, 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 drafts and things like that. Just assuming that he was gonna he could have a good run here at the end of the season. The question will be if he can give me a, give you a little bit more of a rushing floor because I think that that was something I was hoping for. And I think we've seen with quarterbacks like Ryan Fitzpatrick, you don't have to be the most um, athletic guy if you're willing to do it. And I don't think Tua is, is nearly as athletic as someone like Herbert, maybe not even as as athletic as, as Joe Burrow. Um, so the question will be whether he can really run and sustain some of that production or whether it be something he really eschews because of the injury concerns.
0: Kevin, what happened to Tom Brady against New Orleans there? The wind really seemed to affect him a lot more than, let's say, an Aaron Rodgers. So, you know, they've really structured the offense. He's got a zillion weapons down there. They're kind of hitting their stride, but was, was that a cause for concern as we get to the colder weather here with the, with the older quarterback?
1: I don't think so. I mean, I think sometimes I'm willing to just say, uh, the stuff happens, right? Um, yeah. if you look at, uh, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, when he played against the Bucks himself earlier this season, True. just nothing nothing went right. You know, sometimes nothing is going right. So I, I, I'm not that concerned about it. Although I will say, I remember after week one, when both Brady and Breeze looked a little out of sorts, I was more positive on Breeze going forward, only because he had pretty high level play last season and the season before. He was probably better than Brady both of those seasons. And I... I don't know, he might have been better than Brady so far, so far this season. So I think with, with Brady, the, the thing is when. When things are right, and I think this is something that you saw a lot, um, last year too, to a degree, he can still play pretty well. If he gets moved off of his, off of his spot in the pocket, that's when things can get a little squirrely. So th- that's a concern, but it has to play against a team that could really provide pressure with the front four like the Saints were able to do. And there aren't a whole lot of teams who can do that. So I, I think he has a good chance to turn things around the rest of the season.
0: And great segue into Drew Brees. Uh, You know, obviously, serious injuries that he got. I thought that was a completely legal sack that went on. I don't think there was any maliciousness in it, but it was just an unfortunate injury. He's going to be out now, it looks like, for a little bit. Sean Payton, very close to the vest here, whether Jameis Winston and his love here, of course, for Taysom Hill, who's going to be the quarterback. But Brees now, what do you think about the Saints offense? Michael Thomas is back, but they're playing an Atlanta team that's a rival this week. This could be a totally different offense here, depending on who he goes with.
1: Yeah, it could be. I mean, the thing was last season when, um, Teddy Bridgewater stepped in, he was more in that mold of, of Drew Brees. He's been a guy who doesn't really stretch the field, was just executing the offense. He played at a much lower level than Drew Brees, despite the fact that they won all those games. Uh, but he wasn't bad. He was pretty good because of the structure that they have around her. So I think something could be similar. For Jameis, I mean, I'm a little bit more skeptical of Jameis. It's kind of been this weird transition I've seen, uh, amongst certain quarters on the, on the dark webs here about people really loving Jameis Winston and wanting him to, to go forward. I'm, always, for, for him, for me, it's always going to be if he can put everything back together and we'll just have to see. If that happens here, I mean, I just don't expect him to necessarily produce at a higher level than what Breeze was doing. And I think the Saints, if they can, are still going to want to have a pretty healthy running game going forward. And, and that defense is is good, despite the fact that they were getting killed, in, especially on a lot of defensive pass interference calls earlier this year. So I, if they can continue to play the game and win with defense, win with the running game, and then have Jameis sprinkle some stuff on top of it without a lot of turnovers, that's probably the ideal formula for them.
0: Yeah, you know, Jameis Winston, like Humpty Dumpty. He's got to put it all together again. If he can do that, he could have a, a pretty good run here. I wanted to look at some of the Super Bowl contenders. Get your thoughts here, you know, as as they're heading into the playoffs, what do you think is going to happen, whether you're buying, selling, or, or hold with them. Tampa Bay, now the offenses look great. Defenses look strong also. No Vita Veya. I feel like their run defense is, is a little bit vulnerable. Uh, but I have to tell you, what I've been impressed with is Ronald Jones can keep miss dropping balls or fumbling kevin and they're staying with them i'm very happy about that as a ronald jones truther but tampa bay here for the super bowl what do you think
1: yeah i mean it's it's weird we have this new uh playoff format where you only have the one team with the bye, so it's really going to be uh the packers the saints some team from the nfc west and and the, the bucks that are going to be competing for that spot. I'm just not sure they can get there. I know that they don't have the most difficult schedule going forward, but I think Green Bay probably has the inside, inside track on being able to get there. So for that reason, I would lean Green Bay over Tampa, but I, I think Tampa definitely gives you, they definitely have a chance to win no matter what with that offense and defense. Having both of those elements being able to work on any given week is pretty powerful.
0: The next one is Green Bay, and listen, they did not get a receiver. It was well talked about in the draft. I guess they knew that Marcus Valdez-Scanling would actually start catching passes. I guess that was the issue. Alan Lazard comes back. Devontae Adams has been fantastic. I have a hard time, Kevin, getting around a team that can't stop the run. You know, Even Atlanta's defense, which is horrific, they can stop the run. I just feel like you have to do that late in the winter. Packers here, Super Bowl, what are your thoughts?
1: Uh, I mean, I'm a little bit... Higher on it than 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 what you are, I mean, I understand the concerns I think we've seen it. We saw um, you know most are running for fifteen yards a carry or whatever it was last year yeah. in the playoffs so it's it's clearly a concern, but I just think that Aaron Rodgers is playing at, at at a high level a high enough level where they it could make up for some deficiencies on the defensive side. But you have seen them struggle. It's kind of weird. Rogers is having this great season, but you've also seen some games that were a little bit closer than what you would have, what you would have liked. I mean, I think for, for Rogers, you know, a lot of people were like, was he, was he elite or was he not? Is he still elite? And he's, he's come through and he's kind of proven enough, I think, you can put him back into that category. But I'm still not seeing him on someone like a Patrick Mahomes level where it doesn't really matter who the defense, who he has on the defensive side of the ball.
0: Very true. And last team here, Pittsburgh. You know, has done a nice job sort of reinventing himself here. Doesn't take as many deep shots. He connected with Deontay Johnson down the sideline against the Bengals on Sunday. But the defense is certainly elite, especially the run defense. Have, have had some injuries, but they've worked through it. Claypool's been phenomenal. What do you think about the Steelers' last undefeated team in the NFL?
1: I mean I'm probably lower on the Steelers than consensus if only because wins drive so much of the feeling there. Um but again, if they can get that number 1 seed and I think Kansas City has a very difficult schedule down the stretch, so they they don't have an inside track. Well they kind of have an inside track because of their record. Um so I, I think that's what's going to be key. I mean, I was looking at a lot of what Pittsburgh has been able to do offensively this year, and they haven't been that impressive in your normal situations. What Roffersberger has been really good at is converting on third downs. They're converting at the second highest level over expectation other than, uh, Patrick Mahomes has been doing with, with the Chiefs. So if he can maintain that, which is normally not the stickiest category, although he has been someone over his career has been able to, To convert third downs at a high level. I think that's going to end up being key because it's about sustaining drives with them because like you said, they're not, they're not making the deep shots. They're not getting quick, easy touchdowns. They're really grinding the ball down the field.
0: Yeah, you talked about their schedule here. They still have, they have to go to the Raiders now this week at Tampa Bay, Denver, at Miami, at New Orleans. Breeze will probably be back. Atlanta and the Chargers. So, yeah, certainly a difficult schedule. Most popular question here in the mailbag, Kevin. Thank a teacher, Time with everything going on with COVID and the teachers battling all the things out there. I want to get some positive mojo going. Give a shout-out here to somebody in your primary years, K-12, that had a real positive influence on you now as an adult. You look back and say, you know, they really really were a positive light for me as I was learning and and growing as a person.
1: Yeah, you know, what's interesting is I was never – I was not like the most dedicated student I guess for me it it, it really have to it, I'm really someone who doesn't you know achieve for the sake of achievement it's really about being interested in something and I remember when I took um when I find, even even math which I had done well at it wasn't really until I was taking calculus and, um, and my teacher there, Mr. Cheryl, he was someone who really got me kind of interested in it for the first time. So it was one of those things where it was, you know, doing well there, doing well on the advanced placement tests and really carrying that success into college was a, was a big thing for me. So it was really getting me in, in involved and engaged in it, which, uh, up until that point had been difficult.
0: Yeah, very fair. The, those are the teachers, the one that, that get you interested. It's, it's not for the grade, it's for the interest and the motivation. That's what we're trying to teach our kids. I get a lot of vitriol from fantasy players with Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson, although to be fair, I sent you the show sheet before last night, so maybe they calmed down a little. Frustrated comes with the concentrated target share, you know, not the concentrated target share, but the lack of passing volume. I see a difficult schedule for Dalvin Cook. One of the questions that came up recently was, would you trade Dalvin Cook for Derrick Henry because of Cook's schedule down the stretch I, what do you see here with the Vikings? I, I think a Kirk Cousins, especially against Dallas this week, Jefferson, Thielen, I, I think they could be you know, fantasy difference makers here for a championship.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's one of those things where you're just going to have to know that at least one out of every four weeks, things are going to align so that Zimmer can do what he wants to do, which is play 1950s-style football and just run the ball and not have to, to worry about passing it. Um, but it, you know, like you said, if you look at their schedule, they have some difficult running, uh, uh, matchups they're going to have to play against. They have some teams, especially, uh, the Bucks and the Saints who are going to be able to score points. I don't think they're going to be able to just hold them down and, and not have to worry about that. I mean, even the Panthers have been pretty good at, at scoring points this year. So I, I, I like, I like those wide receivers. I think I'll take that concentration in targets. Every day of the week, even when it's in a lower volume passing attack, because love him or hate him. Actually, no one really loves him. But uh, uh, like him or or hate (laughs) him, Kirk Cousins has been an efficient producer of, of, of fantasy points when he throws the ball. You just need to get those opportunities.
0: Time for redraft lightning round. Give me the better play coming up here in week 11 in your mind. Same game here. Two guys, Jalen Rager in Philadelphia, healthy, and Wentz and the Eagles have a nice schedule coming up. They can really get him going, although I feel like I've said that every week on this podcast. <laughs> and, and Jarvis Landry, who with Odell Beckham out, has not had a chance to have a decent weather game where he can have one of those breakout sort of 8-9 reception games there. So who do you like this Sunday here in Cleveland?
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with Landry. Again, I'm just going to take the the volume. I'm going to take the volume that you know you're going to get. He had, I, don't, I think it was around a 30% target share last week. If you go back to before the buy, it was 40% target share. Now, I know the production hasn't been there, but again, this Browns, Offense, his passing offense in particular, just had a difficult schedule. Not only do they have, you know, the Ravens and the Steelers that they have to play, and and they had a pretty good game against someone like the Colts, who could be another difficult defense. But they've had these weather effects these weeks that have been really, really tough. So I think we haven't we haven't gotten an opportunity to see what Landry could potentially do with that target share. And even though I know he's not the most efficient guy. And Rager could be a guy who goes over the top for a, you know, a 50 yard touchdown bomb that that's always fine and great, but I'm just going to take the guaranteed target share here and as the matchups are getting better for, for the Browns and this Eagles matchup has definitely been better than what we've seen earlier this season for the Browns.
0: I was burning last week when JD McKissick was catching every pass in sight, but Antonio Gibson did recover. So I'm curious, better flex play, Gibson against Cincinnati or T Higgins same game against a really tough pass defense in Washington.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go with Gibson just because I like, like you said, McKissick was, was, too involved uh, a couple a couple of times Um and he's been you know he's been owning everyone all, all fantasy football players players this year but I, I still think that I like that Washington offense has been able to move the ball a little bit better you have obviously more touchdown potential there with Gibson and I just think that he has enough of a role there where I'm going to lean on him versus versus what could be really tough for for Burrow this week, especially if with that pass rush, the combination of the pass rush and the pass defense for, for the Redskins. So for that reason, I'm going to go with Gibson.
0: DJ Chark here at home, uh, you know, really has come on. There was bad weather in Green Bay, but he was targeted. He's going against Pittsburgh. Do you like him as a better PPR wide receiver or AJ Brown who was shut down, but now he gets Baltimore on the road is going to be pretty angry here. Who do you like better this week? DJ Chark against Pittsburgh, AJ Brown against Baltimore.
1: I mean, I'm going to lean A.J. Brown. I think he's the better player. I think he's got, obviously, the better quarterback. And against the Ravens, I know that can be a very tough matchup, but they take a lot of chances, and I think that can align with – potentially getting some some deep shots to AJ Brown and hopefully he'll catch these uh this time when, when he has that opportunity yep. and plus I still have him on too many
0: redraft, yes. too many redraft
1: yes. fantasy teams and uh I just I need him to produce last week was rough because I have him and DK Metcalf on the same team so it was really it was painful to watch those two matchups after having some smash uh weeks a few weeks in a row before that
0: And last one here, better running back smash spot. I have DeAndre Swift, of course, Stafford a little banged up, at Carolina. Looks like he's taking over. Or Melvin Gordon, who still gets the goal line work and is still a dominant force in that backfield. He's at home against Miami, who at some point here, Kevin, I think has to regress a little bit, Gordon or Swift this week.
1: I'm going to go with Swift, uh, especially because of the, the receiving work that he's been getting. And I think it's one of those things. It's kind of the draft capital argument that I was making before in the reverse where we're talking about Miles Gaskin. Now Swift is, was the second running back, I believe taken. I believe he was taken before Jonathan Taylor in this last draft. So he, there's a lot of draft capital put in him. So when someone steps forward and becomes the, the lead back and moves into that role, if that, if that running back is also someone that has that draft capital behind behind him. I'm going to be a, a bit more confident to make sure this is going to continue and we have more than one week of this at this point. Um and of course the Panthers defense, we saw what uh, the Bucks did to them last week and what Patrick Mahomes did to him the week before. It's a defense that can give up a lot of points. Uh probably plays a little bit better against the run than against the pass, so we'll see if Swift can can get get some passes out of the backfield. But he he's the guy I'm just going to be more confident in here uh, versus the Drew Lock led offense for Melvin Gordon.
0: I find that, that when I have the guests on, you know, we're all into analyzing analytics fantasy football. So we like movies with a twist or a suspenseful ending. Is there one that you like here that you enjoy? Um,
1: you know, you, you, you put a couple examples on here and I thought those, I thought there's a good one in Memento and seven. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'll go with another, um, what's his name? David Fisher, I Fisher, I guess, A uh, movie where, um, Fight Club, where that was oh, one yeah. of, that's, that's one that I've watched quite a few times. So of course there's a little bit of a reveal in that one. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you can spoiler alert something that's been out for, for 15 <laughs> years, but, <laughs> right. um, and plus Edward Norton is one of these guys. Like I have like a pantheon of, of actors who I think are just so good. And he's, he's one of those. Guys. I mean, Brad Pitt's good in the movie too, of course, but I feel like he really just becomes the character sometimes. So I felt like that was like a tour de force sort of performance for Edward Norton in that movie.
0: Yeah. Loved Edward Norton in Italian job also. So that was kind of underrated. Yeah. And he's fantastic. Listen, you've lived in a couple different areas: California, New York, uh as well. I'm, I'm curious, compare East West Coast. There, what, what are you? What are the comparisons or differences there between the two that you noticed?
1: Yeah, I mean, there are some some big contrasts. I mean, obviously, having grown up in California, I never appreciated the weather than when I'm sitting in uh, in the East Coast now, and I'm watching. Uh, you know, the Rose Bowl and people are wearing t-shirts yes. in January and I, and it doesn't make sense. Like it doesn't actually compute in my head. So yeah. I think there's a nostalgia effect of always thinking about the weather and those sorts of things when it came to California. But in New York City, um, is where I, I moved later in life and, you know, I found my, my, met my wife and everything else there. And I feel like there's nothing to replicate New York and just being, Kind of the capital of the world at this point, but definitely the 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 main city in the in the U.S. and it's there's just so many people there all doing interesting things. Um, so I think that's more than anything, just the just the people you can meet in New York City puts it over the top, even over the weather in California.
0: Oh, right, this has been amazing, Kevin. Last question, then I'll get you out of here. A big game coming up this week. There's been some little bit of trash talk, if you will, uh between Andy Reid and John Gruden. Uh when the Raiders went out to Kansas City and won, I guess the bus driver drove around the, the arrowhead or something like that. So a little bit of a, a rivalry going on here, of course curious we have kansas city favored by seven now at the raiders do you think the chiefs get some revenge here you think this is going to be another close game or the raiders have their number
1: yeah i wish i mean this is a good number like seven seven points covers a lot there um i mean i am going to lean if i had to lean in direction i would still say the chiefs if only because i think on defense they can do a little bit better this time if you watch the when when they when they lost the first time it was a couple of really big plays and they're a defense that takes chances so if they if they can bottle up and not and not have the you know the henry rugs 50 yard touchdowns this time around i think things things can be different and i also think patrick mahomes believe it or not is starting to kind of even go to a different level these last few weeks because teams were able to frustrate him a little bit by Playing the zone defense by keeping everything in front of him. And now the, the way the offense is working now, I think they figured out some wrinkles to free up guys like Tyreek Hill. If you saw how much he was struggling earlier this season and now I think he might be, you know, up near the top in fantasy scores on, on the entire year. So uh, I, I think the offense has also really figured itself out these last few weeks and has a counter to anything that, that the defense can do against them. So that uh, I, I, I expect, you know, shock a big shocking thing here, which is Patrick Mahomes. They have another huge, huge
0: game. Yeah, I don't think they're going to get them twice. I agree with you. <laughs> Folks, Kevin Cole, amazing stuff. You have to check out his work on Twitter at Kevin Cole PFF, PFF work is fantastic. All the great stuff they have on the site, of course. Uh, one of the best in the business. Kevin, thanks so much for a few minutes here, man. Great stuff as always. Diving in and help us figure things out as we head into the uh, the fantasy football stretch drive. Thanks so much, man.
1: All right. This was great. Thanks for having me.
0: The wait is finally over, folks. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win the season. From the game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else.